Have I told you the one thing that's at the root of all my work here at Pivot Me? If I was to boil it down to just one thing I have set out to solve in this world, do you know what that would be? Well, today I'm about to tell you. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. So on the back end, we're always iterating, right? So the brand, the company, the services, the products, all of it is always changing. You're either growing or dying. Well, we make sure that we are not dying. And so we're always looking at how can we do something different? How can we do something better? I actually just completed uh, Tony Robbins' Business Mastery course about a week ago, and that was amazing. And I love the speakers. And I went with um, one of my clients. It was just such a great experience. And it's just really a time where we get out of our business and we work on on our business instead of in our business. And, and I did that too. And the, the timing of that was just so great because we're in the middle of this big branding exercise at Pivot Me. And so it, it dovetailed perfectly with that because Donald Miller spoke and of course, Tony Robbins and Keith Cunningham and Siri Lindley and, and so much more, just great, great speakers. But particularly when I was listening to Donald Miller, you know, he built you know, dives into story brand and and what do you do and and what's the problem that you solve and he might have slightly different language on some of these things, but ultimately it's it's how you best resonate with your ideal client and what you're doing for them out in the marketplace. So I had I'd done this work many times throughout the years with some partners that I have in Nashville that are amazing. And I was just going through the exercise again because we are doing a website relaunch. Da, da, da. It is a ton of work. We've spent so much uh, time investing in our website so far, and it's time for it to have a new face. And in that process, it is, let me just tell you right now, website relaunches are not my favorite thing. Like I just want to smash my head against the wall. Like I certainly have opinions of the finished product, but I do not like necessarily weighing in on the process in, in the meantime. But as I'm sitting there listening to Business Mastery and listening to Tony Robbins and, and Donald Miller, I'm starting to jot down again, like, all right, let's let's dial this in even more. We're doing the website relaunch. We want to make sure that it has the right, the right theme and reach the right people. We want to make sure we know how we best serve people, how to show up best, and ultimately the problem we're going to solve in this world. And again, daunting work, daunting work. Like, give me a spreadsheet, give me math. I'm totally in for that. But this, this like thinking meets feeling and asking and pondering, it feels for me so elusive, like a, like a dream you're trying to remember, but then it slips away right before you get it. And you can't quite get it into focus. And then one day you do and poof, nailed it. At least that's what my brand advisor said uh, when she announced it on the call. So we, we've gone down this road before, but really when you get such great clarity on what you solve in the world, 
it really is what drives everything. And I want to talk about that in 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 more depth in future podcasts because I found that the problem I solved in the world actually goes all the way back to my childhood, not my corporate career, actually before then. So I was surprised to learn that. I don't know why, because everything always ends up right back there, doesn't it? Um, that's always your origin story. But really, this thing, this is driving so much of what I do. And that problem I solve in the world, the problem I'm most uniquely qualified to solve is self-sabotage, a form of settling, a form of getting to enough, but knowing that you were made for not just enough, but for more. What's tricky with the people I work with is that people are, you know, people that are listening to me, listeners, clients, they'll have people around them that are saying, you, you've got enough, like it's good enough. And when those people, they'll you know, we feel a little bit guilty and we think maybe it should be enough. I mean, I, I practice gratitude. I do my damn mantras. April's always yammering on about. I manage uh, how I show up in this world mostly. Um, maybe more isn't what it's all about. I live a good life. I run a good business. Maybe that should be enough. Enough doesn't resonate with me. And I don't believe it resonates with you either. You you kind of feel when you're made for more. Like you feel this urge inside you, this drive, this hunger for more. Not for working more hours, just more. more time. More money, more joy, more adventure, more contribution, more family legacy, more generational wealth, more scholarship funds that you could be funding yourself, just more. But as you know, if you've been a listener through these 200 plus episodes, you know, no one needs to get in our way of more. We sabotage our own success all the time. Here is something that I really want you to lean in and hear. Well, hear me good on this. Your success is directly tied to your ability to control your self-sabotaging behavior. Now, again, I'm not saying... If you're self-sabotaging, we if there's no if, we all self-sabotage. But we need to know how and we need to know how to work around those self-sabotaging behaviors. Your ability to identify it, your ability to reroute it is everything. Yep, I said what I said. Controlling your own self-sabotaging behavior is key. And why this matters, why this matters because your skill set, many people are very comfortable pouring into your skill set, right? You have no problem like, oh, I'll, I'll get an MBA and I'll get my PMP after my name and I'll do all these things, more skill sets, more classes, more degrees, more certifications. Uh, but your skill set, my friend, can't outpace your mindset. Eventually, playing field will be leveled. And we all do this, even if we don't want to admit it. We're all, we're all in the privacy of our own homes doing the same thing, self-sabotaging. But no one comes to me, no one comes to me as a business advisor or a performance coach and says, hey, you know what, I just uh, self-sabotage my success. That's not how us high performers think. We say, we say, April, I want to get there further or faster. I want efficiency. I want more income, more time. I want sweet abs. We don't lead with things like, well, I've got this tendency not to prioritize growth initiatives and enable my staff, which is why my business can't grow. I'm the bottleneck. And boy, wouldn't it be easy if we knew those things. But man, we either don't see it or we don't want to admit it. And if we just humanize that we all do that, maybe it'd be easier to see and it certainly would be easier to admit. You see, people come to the Pivot Me Academy for skill set. But what they almost always need is mindset. <laughs> 
Hey, Pivoter, I see you taking notes. I see you applying things into your business and life. Great work. But what if you could do it on a Zoom call with me? Well, here is your invite. I am hosting a free live event on Zoom where I get to know you, your challenges, and help you work through them as we accelerate your growth together. This is a free virtual event, and I'd love for you to join. Hop over to pivot-me.com backslash event and save your spot now. We'll keep these small. They will fill up. I'd love for you to be there. Again, it's pivot-me.com backslash event. We'll also put the link in the show notes and I'll see you there. So I've worked with, I've worked with another client, Desiree, for years. I'm going to tell you a story about Desiree. So she, she's this amazing rock star who seemingly does it all as, as the saying goes, she really lives it out. She's an inspiration. She, she has done so much in her time and man, she is just getting started, but she is also very hard on herself. She's writing a book right now and she wants to be, she wants the book to be damn near perfect. But perfect, we know, is an illusion. It's a mirage in the desert. You never reach it, but you can certainly die trying. So because she wants the book chapters to be so perfect, and she wouldn't use the word perfect. Let's just be clear about that. Like, we know that that is a no-no word. So we stay away from words like perfect. Us high performers, we figure out ways to like pull the, the, what would we call it? Like the negative buzzwords. The words that you're not supposed to say. You're not supposed to say perfection. You're not supposed to say narcissism, but we all know what you're talking about. So she doesn't use the word perfect. She's just like, I want them to be really, really good. She argues it's because she wants quality of her product to be so good, but that's why she's delaying. I mean, what's creeping up here? It's perfectionism. Now, this has been studied at length, and there are people far more qualified to discuss it. I'm looking at you, Brene Brown. But here is why I pointed this out. Because us pivoters, we reason it away so easily as not perfection getting in the way, but a quality product. No, it's, it's not about a quality product, my friend. It's fear of it not being good enough. And then maybe she'll be found out. Maybe she's, you know, it's an imposter syndrome thing, that whole quagmire of shit sandwich that so many of us take a bite of. We argue that it's just quality control, quality insurance. We're making sure it's a good user experience. We put different words on it, but... I know someone's, someone's, who, or is it you? Who needs to hear this right now? Who's going, well, I was making an argument that it was a quality issue, but now I'm starting to wonder, ooh, is it a perfectionism thing? Is it a form of self-sabotage? I hope someone right now is sitting on a product, could be released, but they have not released. And they've argued that it's quality. Maybe something I'm going to say today convinces them that it's just perfection getting in the way. So for Desiree, she had to be convinced, and this is this is one of the ways that she moved through this, she had to be convinced that every day her book wasn't out there on the marketplace, every day that it wasn't in Amazon or in Barnes & Noble, someone who needed to hear her message wouldn't hear it because she waited, because she hesitated. They wanted it to be just a little bit better. She kept arguing that it needed to be a little bit better. And man, I am so acquainted with this, investing so much time for those incremental gains, but it's really just law of diminishing returns. Let's talk about that fun law, a principle stating that profits or benefits gained from something will represent a proportionally smaller gain as more time, energy, money is invested into it. Meaning that the difference between getting a B plus and an A minus may not be worth it. But we keep arguing that, ah, just a little bit better. Ah, just a little bit better. And pretty soon, it no longer makes sense how much we've invested in it. 
And I will tell you, particularly when our name is tied to it, particularly if there's a personal brand behind it, that's when we can really get tied up in this, where the law of diminishing returns, when our butt is on the line, our reputation is on the line, who man, our ego is on the line. When what feels like at stake will just prove that the imposter syndrome was accurate, then we will double down on making it perfect. Now, I know this law so very well because I'm a grand master of this law, making it just a wee bit better. We can do better. Can I? Constant and never-ending improvement. Well, I can work in some fields, but in other fields, it's just banging your head against the wall. It can be good until it's bad. Desiree had to release this book. She knew that there were women out there that needed to read what was in those chapters. But to do that, she had to get it out there. She had to she had to turn on the pipes. Sometimes we need to turn on the pipes just to see where the water leaks out. We tried to anticipate to great lengths what might need to be fixed, where the water might leak out of the pipes. But the best way sometimes is just turn the damn water on. Until I started to see, because for years I did this wrong. Until I started to see products, projects, business, life, me, all as an iterative process, you know, I had to start seeing that these were all version 1.0 and that there would be an issue with the software and an upgrade would be needed and then there'd be beta testing again. And this is true of me too, until I started to see damn near everything in my life as iterative. I got in the way of my success. I was, it was one of the many forms of self-sabotage I had mastered. Law of diminishing returns was, was definitely something that I did. And I would argue it's because I wanted to produce a good quality product. This is not surgery, my friends. I am not putting out surgical tools. And I wasted a lot of time doing that. And get this, you know, you know how I justified it, right? Like, so not only did I say I put out a good quality product, but here's the second line. So if you've, if you've said this before, I want you to hear yourself on my story. <laughs> my team knows this. I would always say, I have a really high attention to detail. Like When I wrote this out, when I was preparing for this podcast, I actually put a smiley face. Like I have an emoji smiley face written next to that. I don't know who I'm trying to convince that this is funny, but it probably drove my team nuts because I did have such a high attention to detail that even the most minor copy or graphic issue was, was a problem for me. It had to be fixed. It had to be fixed. And sometimes that meant I delayed products and services that should have got out there faster. So moving on, after perfection, what's next on the agenda? What's next on the agenda of self-sabotage after perfection? Well, let's get to number two. Number two is busying yourself with other people's problems. Doesn't matter the problem. It can be work problems. It can be finance problems. It can be home problems. Didn't matter. I'm your gal. Boy, I was good at this too. I didn't go jump in I didn't, I didn't fancy the drama, but man, if someone was, was sinking and I saw their arms waving, I was the first to stand there. And I didn't just throw in the life preserver. Like I would jump in and go, get on my back. I will swim you out. And I will ignore my priorities in the process. Why did I do this? Because I liked people. You probably like people too. And I didn't like to see them suffer. And because fixing other people's problems is a hell of a lot easier than fixing my own. I didn't know there was a name for this, by the way. I'll be honest. I only, I, well, I knew this word in a corporate setting, but Kevin and the and the Pivot Me Academy let me know that this is uh, called white knighting. Now, it seems that that has many meanings because when I looked it up on the Google machine, some meanings were more colorful than others. But here's what we landed on for white knighting. The white knight is the one that comes to the rescue of another. I was notorious for this. 
Someone needs you, you need to help. So compelled to help. It's not, it's painful not to help solve the problem if you struggle with that too. If you are someone who's listening right now that goes, yes, when I see people struggle, I feel compelled to help. When someone asks for my help, I feel compelled, not not obligated, not like a sense of guilt per se, but just like I can solve this. I should be using my skills for that. That can really get in the way of our success and it can get in the way of our fulfillment and our joy too. And I'm going to come back to what I said at the beginning of this episode, your success is directly tied to your ability to control your self-sabotaging behavior. Mine too. I have to stand guard to that tendency of mine. It is much better than it was, but we're going to watch that door carefully because it will sneak back in if I'm not being careful. Now, if you find yourself about to do your own work, you've got this big project or a priority, and then you easily get sucked into a project problem, something that is not what you set out to do. If you start firefighting in your business, helping particularly more than the person with the actual fire is helping, you're going to need to catch yourself. It's not noble. It's self-sabotage. Remember, first comes awareness, second comes choice. Most of us never reach awareness. So us just talking about it, us just dragging these things out to the light, man, this is the first step in fixing it, in addressing it. Now, hopefully your your mind is already blown by these first two. You're like, oh, I never thought about perfection like that. And whoa, white knighting. Let me Google that and see the colorful descriptions April referenced carefully in this podcast. Uh, But wait, there's more. We got one more flavor of self-sabotage we're going to cover today. And this one is from my friend Rory Vaden's book, Procrastinate on Purpose. And that is creative avoidance. Busying yourself with something that needs to be done, but doesn't necessarily need to be done right now or by you. Here's what Rory tells us. Creative avoidance is subconsciously creating things for yourself to do so that you can do those things as a means of feeling productive, but really it's a giant scheme for avoiding doing the things you know you should be doing even when you don't feel like it. Man, I remember the first time I read that and I was like, well, that just describes quite a bit of my day. See, as uh, again, what I found is is for me and for a lot of people that listen to this podcast, we don't necessarily, like we're creative in our self-sabotage. It's not always like the Instagram doom scroll or TikTok dancing videos that get us. I like, there's some of that, sure. I never realized how much I like watching like groundhogs eat farmers' fruit and vegetables right in front of a camera. Uh, I will get sucked in by those videos. I have to be very careful, but no, that's not usually how we do it. We're very creative about our creative avoidance. We'll do it under the guise of helping people. Like we mentioned earlier, we will do it around cleaning out our inbox. I know that when I have a project to get done, somehow I look into my my trash folder and I'll notice the 1,500 trash emails that are in there. And I think, oh, I'm about to get an email from you know, the IT people and they're going to say there's too many in there. This is the time. This is the time. I've got a, I've got a proposal. I've got a contract due at 5 p.m., but this is the time for me to clean out my trash bin. And some of these things do actually need to be done. It's not like we're busying ourselves with totally useless activities, but they're not the most high value task that we should be getting done right now. Like, yeah, it might be the thing that, oh gosh, I really did need to reschedule the dentist appointment, but you did not need to do it right now. You are tricking yourself. It is all a ruse and you are the actors and the audience. Oh, look how productive I am. I got 10 things checked off my list. Look at me go, yeah, but were they the right things? And here's the truth, guys. Never am I more efficient at a task tackling. Never, never do I check things off quicker than when I've got something else I should be doing. Now let's move into the solution phase. What do we do? 
what do we do about this creative avoidance? We catch us in the act. First comes awareness, second comes choice. Most people never reach the awareness stage, so look at us go. We're killing it. Understand which of these you do. Which of these forms of self-sabotage are you prone to? And spend some time thinking about it. The situation in which you sabotage in these three ways will actually be quite predictable when you look at your life and business from a 30,000-foot view. We're so used to looking at it from street view. But if you go up into the sky and you see it from the satellite view, like the Google images, you go, oh, I get it. When my brother needs something, I drop my key projects and I run to his rescue. Or when I have a proposal due, I tend to clean out my inbox. Or... When I need to get my chapters done, I tend to reread them again and again, arguing that it's quality, but really I'm missing my daily word count. These things, they show up over and over again. We're actually not faced with so many different circumstances that we're like, well, how could I possibly make a plan for all of these situations? We are a series of practice thoughts with the same situations repeating over and over again. And yes, there's some newness, but we can make a plan because it's actually more routine than we're giving it credit to. I mean, we want to think our lives are like this wild child adventure, but I mean, some of these things are pretty predictable. So let's talk this through. So what are we doing? What What's the steps here? So number one, identify how you do it. Like look at the, is, is it the family member needing help thing? Is it is it your kiddos? Is it, you know, feeling guilty because you're going to do me time? So you're going to do this other thing to earn your me time. Understand what the situations are and, and identify how you do it. Okay, actually, number one is how, identify how you do it. Number two is identify in which situations you tend to do it in. So, okay, I practice creative avoidance and the situation I tend to do it is when I have real-time example, when I have three podcasts due and my podcast manager is lovingly sending me emails going, yeah, April, remember those podcasts that were due? And then my amazing assistant, Doria, is going, um, April, Ben's waiting for the podcast and I start feeling guilty because I am going to create a bottleneck for my team. Let's just say this was a hypothetical situation and not earlier today. This is a situation in which I tend to do creative avoidance. Luckily, I caught it. So we're doing good. So that's the first two. Let's go on to the third. I mean, I caught it after two hours, but I did catch it today. So I'm going to say as long as it's in the same 24-hour period, it's a win. A win is a win, my friend. Number three, imagine a plan on how you can do it differently. So in that instance where I said, when I am behind on podcasts and I need to record them, and then I start to practice creative avoidance where I do other things in place of actually recording the podcast, which is why it's seven o'clock at night and I'm recording three podcasts right now. Real time, guys, this is real life. Um, make a plan on how to do that. Make it so when podcasts are due, you've got to get them done before, I don't know, April. How about 927? Um, I'm kind of coaching myself real time, but... Uh, it's, this is life, guys. You know, when when I sat down with my social media team and and the gal I work with, Tammy's just so remarkable. And 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 she said, you know, April, just make sure that I see you teaching a lot on social media. And I, I'm going to be totally honest. She goes, but they need to see the rest of you too. They need to see how how you've learned these principles. And most of the time, we learn it through our customers, our clients, for sure. But we learn them by our own trial and error often, right? We know the ropes because we've fallen from them so many times. And so Tammy gave me the amazing advice of screw up more online, April. 
um, which is why maybe this podcast is coming to you a little bit more loose than usual. Because these are things that though I, I know them well, we need to be reminded more than we need to be told. And that is true of myself. There are plenty of times where I'll real time be in a situation and I'll look at my team and go, oh, April, how about you do episode 187? Um, and it's kind of a joke, but it really boils down to we have to keep coming back to these principles. Nobody graduates from this type of work. Nobody gets a badge. You don't get a degree in personal growth and go, wow, you are self-actualized. Well done, April. No, no, no. Like sometimes we're killing it and sometimes it's a bit of a dumpster fire. And then we just pick ourselves up and we do it again. And we say, oh, that's right. That is how I self-sabotage. That's right. I need to make a plan so I do it differently. Let's talk about that plan. So I mentioned earlier, what if your brother calls? What kind of plan can you have for that? Brother, family, parents, whoever it is. Someone calls when you're in the middle of this important project. You might tell them, hey, I got to call you back at the end of the day. I'll call you back after five. Or I can't clear out my inbox until after I send out that contract. Um, It might be, hey, editor, in Desiree's situation, ping me at the end of the week and ask me for my word count. Invite accountability. It's amazing how well we perform when we know someone's going to ask for our word count. Again, be a student of you. It's one of the best things you can study and the best way to get ahead and also enjoy the road while you're on it. And lastly, I've got a favor to ask of you. I produce this podcast every week. I've done it for 200 plus episodes. I don't know, what are we, three, four years? We've been talking for a while now. We put it out on Spotify, Apple, all the places you're going to look for it. We've got a YouTube channel and there's no fees, no Patreon, no nada. But I do have a favor to ask. Someone you know, could use the Pivot Me podcast. Someone you know struggles with self-sabotage or maybe it's their productivity or their morning routine or, you know, their mindset. They're, they've got a negative narrative in their head, but somebody you know, maybe you sit next to them, maybe you're married to them, maybe you employ them, but someone could use this podcast. Take the next 60 seconds to think about who that might be and do both of us a favor and forward it on to them. Yes, I want to get the message out. That is so important to me. But ultimately, I want to get the message out. I don't get paid for this podcast, but I want to get the message out because I want to be the mentor that I never had. Because I hate seeing great people on the long road to success. I hate seeing people getting in the way of their success. And someone you know is doing that right now. So do me a favor and forward this on to them. Thanks, and I'll see you next Thursday. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.